This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. We're marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Thank you for joining us here on Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 645. Make sure you check out previous episodes, markingout.com. Listen to the podcast wherever you are subscribing to podcasts such as Spotify. Also, buy a t-shirt, ProWrestlingTees.com. Also, go give us a like on Facebook. Go give us a follow on Twitter. Give us a follow on Instagram as well and on Twitch. But more important, check us out over on TikTok, of course, because we are that trendy. That being said, also check out Brandon over on Marking Out over at Twitter at BTTG. 161 and on Instagram also Chris at Chris Sweeney Dog and CM Sweeney 85 and also of course at Marking Out 11 over on Instagram follow myself Dave the Rave over on Instagram and on Twitter at David PT DPT that being said Brandon how are you I'm doing awesome as always how about yourself doing Fantastic! Catching up on some sleep over here. Catching up I on bet. some sleep. Yeah, yeah. So I just got back last week from Dubai. Uh, and yeah. Boy, are my arms tired. Oh, yes. <laughs> Swam all the way. It's flying. Are you? It's like the one of the oldest jokes. What yeah, do you mean? yeah, yeah. Just um, flew I mean, in from such and such. Boy, am I arms tired. Yeah, yeah, that too, that too, <laughs> that too. But yes, I was over in Dubai. I had a conference over there, the World the World Physiotherapy Congress uh, 2023, which was a huge physiotherapy conference featuring nations across the entire globe. I had the privilege of presenting a poster over there. Um, I went over there with one of my friends who was presenting a poster as well, and it was incredible. I had the opportunity to present to people from every nation, Germany, South Korea, Japan, uh, Pakistan, India, the U.S., of course, uh, Canada, Mexico, uh, everywhere, uh, Palestine. I, I, I got to interact with so many physiotherapists. Uh, Kenya, it was just incredible. Um, yeah, I, I don't know where to start. What do you want to know, Brandon? Well, how was the flight over? The flight, I took United Emirates, uh, and Emirates was incredible. They gave us like three meals on the trip. Uh, it was 13 hours there, 14 back. The flight was very easy, very smooth. Stood up, walked around when I had to. Try not to stay uh, in my seat for... A prolonged period of time kept on doing like ankle pumps and some exercises while seated there when I wasn't walking around. Um, just there because a lot of leg room, yeah, yeah, a lot of leg room. Fine, the leg room was totally fine. Um, I was sitting in economy and it was totally fine. And um, 
It was good. The food was good. Had some, what did we have? We had grilled chicken with vegetables. Had some, um, let's see, some fruit platters. We had pizza, which I really enjoyed. The pizza was like legit Elio's. It wasn't Elio's pizza, but it was Elio's <laughs> pizza. And I was, I had no issues with that at all. Did um, you, did you watch the Weird Al? I did. Oh, I did take your recommendation. And did you enjoy it? <laughs> I did. Well, you you were surprised <laughs> I, that I took your recommendation. I was. Ve- I'm actually very surprised you actually watched it. <laughs> yeah, I did actually take your recommendation. Um, I watched it. It was definitely not what I was expecting, at all. It was a funny movie. It was good. Um, very quickly, I found I realized that this was not an actual like documentary movie. What do you mean you realized? I specifically said it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I didn't realize that it was to that extent. I mean, with everything with Madonna and uh, it was just hilarious movie. I thought that Harry Potter did great in that. Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, Daniel Radcliffe. I thought that he did really really great in that role. I do wonder what is real and what's not. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, but this movie, it was directly um, very similar to, what is it, UHF? I think that's uh, that's the Weird Al movie. I've never seen it, but yeah. I think it's UHF. Um, it was pretty much same thing. Same sticks. Um, it was, I mean, not direct replicas, but the comedy value and comedy wise, it was just totally random and hilarious. So I thought that Weird Al was really good. Um, yeah, movie wise, I definitely, I tried to watch John Wick 4, but every time I started going for it, I kept on falling asleep. Um, not that it's not an interesting movie. I was just exhausted because I tried to watch it on the flight heading back after everything. Going there actually wasn't available. Flying back, it was added, I guess. But I tried to get through that, but I just couldn't. Every time I tried to make it through 15 minutes, I just ended up dozing off. Um, so what are some of the things that you did in I watched Dubai? Casablanca. No, but in Dubai, what did you do? Oh, in Dubai? Um, in Dubai, so first off, landed, me and my friend Kieran checked into the hotel, um, which was a beautiful hotel, Voco Dubai, um, right on one of the main roads, and then we met up with another physiotherapist, uh, his name is Gus, uh, knew him from, um, just previous conferences and everything, and he's based out of Oklahoma, so he was over there. And we got to meet up with him. He rented a car. So we drove around a bit just to... We figured while he has the car to just see whatever we could. So we drove around a bit. And then I booked a reservation for the Museum of the Future for like 1.30, the day that we landed. So we landed at about 8 a.m. And to prevent us from crashing, I booked a, something for us to do. So I booked it at 1.30. Museum of the Future was incredible, really cool. You got to see what Dubai, what they, what the UAE wants to do in regards to the year of 2070 
and after and what they want to accomplish with um, helping the rainforest, uh, helping with the expansion of AI. Which you could see on our TikTok account. Yes, you could see it all on the TikTok. Uh, Got to interact with artificial intelligence, which is really incredible just to see up close because um, I forgot what her name was, but you always see the AI kind of like out of the iRobot movies. Not iRobot. I forgot which movies. I know iRobot was AI, but it wasn't one like such as this one. Actually, yeah, why not? iRobot. And it was incredible. Got to go out to Museum of the Future. Then later on that night, uh, we got to hang out a little bit more. The next day, we had had the conference. And the conference was... I in just a great experience got to I just loved interacting with so many physiotherapists out there having conversations with them finding out how insurances in um other territories finding out about insurances finding out what they do in a typical treatment session what how they go about how their settings are even uh what they have available what they don't have available um how they were impacted by covid and how their impact, how everything is. Um, so it was really, really just awesome. I know um, you went to the museum there. Yes, went to the... Not the museum, the mall. Yes, we went to the Dubai Mall, which was beautiful. I mean, it's a large, very, very large mall. Went walking around there. Um, from what I was reading, there was some stores in there that they won't even let you go into the shop without checking your banking account to make sure you have enough money to pay for something. Wow. Um, and, and it on was the really other a, hand, they have a Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> yeah, they, they had every franchise you could think of, they had there. Every, also, they have that giant aquarium that yeah, we've seen. Yeah, at the museum, they had the giant aquarium, which I got to see. I, I thought that was at the mall. Huh? I thought that was the mall. Yeah, yeah, no, that the aquarium was in the mall. Oh, it was well, in said, the mall. Um, they had a ski region for skiing, but in the mall, but I didn't see that. Um, didn't get a chance. Yeah, to. they copied that f- over in New Jersey. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, by MetLife. Huh. Now yeah. at the American Dream Mall. No, oh, very cool. Um, also got to see the well-known like uh, fountain over there with the diving statues off of the waterfall got to see that um overall incredible with dubai mall um got to go to the miracle gardens which was beautiful they have the i believe it's the largest display of botanical uh of a botanical garden the largest display of smurfs it was definitely the largest display of smurfs I mean, when you're going over to Dubai, you're not really expecting to see that they have a partnership with the with Smurfs. Um, they have a bunch of displays of Smurfs being utilized within the flower decorations, but then they also have like Aladdin. They have Rapunzel. Um, they have horses that were huge. Um, just it was just really beautiful. They had a Emirates flower display. Um, really, really cool. Also got to go to the top of the Burj Khalifa. Um, we had dinner at the very top of it and uh, not at the very top. It was like the, I forgot which floor, but it's over 500 levels and we weren't over there. 
Um, there was still so much more up, but the restaurant you, itself was below it. On like the you didn't f- go to those uh, those islands at all. No, um, I mean I think I may have been on it because so um, I had the privilege of being invited to join a few uh, professors that I've come to know and meet uh, over time from India. So we got to do a, a tour of Dubai, the city, and then also do a desert safari. And what was cool is that the de- the Dubai tour was a lot of the things that I haven't seen yet. So got to go to Jumeirah Beach, got to go to the Jumeirah Beach Hotel. I believe that's what it is. Um, the world's only seven-star hotel. Um, Damn. I think from what I was looking up, I think it's like $20,000 for a room. Are there? I wonder if there's a six-star hotel. No. It, it just goes from five to seven? Yeah. Yeah, it goes from <laughs> five to seven. This is the only seven-star hotel, and there's yeah, no but six. I mean, maybe, I'm, there's definitely no six-star hotel. No. Everything else is up to a five. Like, this hotel was just incredible. Um, And then outside of that, we got to also see um, the Jumeirah Beach, I mentioned. We got to go to Atlantis, which was beautiful. The Atlantis Resort, which many people know from the commercials, from the water park that they have there. We didn't do the water park, but we did get to walk around Atlantis a bit. Um, Had a little snack over there. Got some mango delight from uh, from cold uh, what is it uh, cold stone, cold stone. You go to Dubai and get cold stone. Hey, it was hot. It was very very hot. It hit 105 degrees when I was there. So I'm going for whatever I could do to cool me off. I think I've been in two cold stones in my life, and I've never gotten cold stone. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, most of the places that were there at Atlantis were franchises. You know, it's... I didn't even realize that they had an Atlantis in Dubai. Also, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it was. A, I think it was where uh, Beyonce performed. Right. Um, yeah. Where they had that big Beyonce performance? I think earlier this year. I think, it um, was where she... Yeah, I was gonna say. I think Kiss also performed there. Yeah, um, and when you're driving down the roads, it really is a. I mean, overall, it's a beautiful city. You have. People that were cleaning the traffic lights when we were driving through, which is something you never see here, you know, like actually scrubbing down, not like the pole area. Um, and then also the streets were very clean. Everybody spoke English, so it was very easy to communicate what you were wanting. Um, a lot of uh, diversity, a lot of uh, immigration from Pakistan, India, Philippines, uh, Egypt. I we even met people from Colombia that moved there and are living there. Um, and not not physiotherapists, just in the just uh, just living there. Um, and then in addition to that, um, I thought that I was really had a culture shock because in Dubai you're really expecting everybody to be wearing like uh, women to be wearing long sleeve shirts and not showing off too much skin and really no drinking. But I'll tell you, people were, there were bars that were very active. The women, there were women there that were wearing booty shorts and showing a ton of cleavage that I was really surprised with. 
just because of the cultural differences. Um, but not to say that but the um, the community was also diverse in you had a lot of people that were dressing in traditional Muslim attire, Arabic attire. Um, and it was really cool. I, I really did enjoy it. Uh, every, what was it like riding a camel? Riding camel, it was fun. It was definitely fun. I tried to, uh, you know, I tried to put a camel clutch on it, but it was, it went to, it was no avail, no avail. Um, but riding the camel was really, really cool experience. Um, yeah. What else? What did you want to know? I don't know. That's it, right? How? What else did you do? That's it. What was um, the desert stuff like? The desert stuff. There you go. Ask me the questions. Interview it. I, I don't have them <laughs> on the interview. What do you mean? Um, the desert was incredible. Did some dune bashing where uh, that's where they take you in a jeep and they drive you through the desert and you just do a bunch of crazy turns and everything like that on the dunes and then you end up at a uh, a eating region in the desert of Dubai. And for there, it was incredible. It was beautiful. I got to eat a ton over there. Like, there was a ton of food to eat there. I was eating a lot of shawarma. I am a big shawarma fan. So I was eating a lot of shawarma there. They had uh, lamb. They had something that I thought was really interesting. They had a lot of uh, fire dancing. Well, they didn't have a lot, but they had a fire dance show. They had a belly dancing show. And then something I thought was really cool was they had, a, I think it's a tenora dancing show. A tenora. It's a traditional dance over there. And it was incredible. It was incredible. Um, yeah, I, I had the time of my life there. The Really grateful for the opportunity. And Did you say that it was something unpredictable? It was definitely unpredictable. You know, you tried to predict what's going to take place next. Um, you know, the view from my hotel took my breath away. I wasn't expecting that. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it got to the point I went to old Dubai. We're in old Dubai. It's really more so traditional what you expect when you visualize um, the desert, re like the desert and Dubai and... Uh, Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi and everywhere like that. It, it's more so what you visualize because you have older buildings, you have um, older roads, you have more so uh, sh a lot more shops there where they're sh selling uh, traditional garments, T-shirts, watches, wallets, gold, diamonds. Um, I mean, they have a huge gold and diamond market there. Because you apparently the gold there is a lot more pure than the gold that you could get in the U.S. And hmm. overall, just an incredible, incredible experience. I loved every moment of it. And did you miss me? Uh, <laughs> but you were technically that we have an episode that was partially recorded from Dubai. So I still think I think that's cool. Yeah, yeah, part of it was recorded in Dubai. Um, and what's also cool is the next conference for the World Physiotherapy Congress is going to be taking place in Tokyo, Japan, 2025. 
Got to go get your uh, your jacket. <laughs> yes, I'm definitely going to be trying to plan Tokyo, Japan, 2025. Um, you know, I want to be a presenter, but also I want to see how I can be a moderator there. They have uh, discussions where they talk about topics in physiotherapy and just practice and ethics. Um, some of it, one I was reached, uh, listening to was about the um, inability of some different countries for getting the resources that they need in regards to like research. So you don't know what proper um, techniques to be using in the clinic. And so I think that I would love to be a moderator for one of those discussions. So I'm going to look into being a moderator for Japan. And um, I think that would be a ton of fun. So more to tell about that coming in uh, 2025. But how about you? What do you, where have you been up to? Well, it wasn't as exciting as you. I just did some normal things. I made some meat sauce, which my uh, younger brother happened to be over while I was making it. And he also makes sauce. So he was kind of on the side of I'm not trying that. Okay. As if, like, I'm not the superior cook. <laughs> but yeah. he ended up trying it and he said it was good. So Bam roasted to him. <laughs> but I also went to Grand Lux for the first time in like a year and a half, which is crazy to say, but I'm just more impressed with Cheesecake Factory. I think Grand Lux is a place you should just only go for the happy hour okay. and their apps. So I should say that I did take a video of uh, Cheesecake Factory over there. Mm-hmm. It's actually in the Dubai Mall, right across this, right across from the aquarium region. They have a Cheesecake Factory. And I would say go to Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> Although, if I was in Dubai, I wouldn't. That's like, when I go to Florida, I don't want to go to Cheesecake Factory. For me, that's like a last resort sort of thing, because I want places that I can't get in New York. Of course. So. Yeah. That makes sense. But yeah, that that's basically all I did this week. All right. I think that's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. So. Yeah, let's get on to some pro wrestling talk. Talk about some Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro. Kicked off with Rhea Ripley. Adam Pierce presented her with the new Women's World Championship. Which is the design that Seth Rollins has, but a white stripe, so it pays tribute to Bruno San Martino and the McMahons as well, which is kind of weird. Yeah. But she was heavily cheered during the segment, and then Dominic ran down to a sea of booze, and he went and put the title around her waist. Cody Rhodes interrupted to talk about what Dominic did to him on Ms. TV last week. Then he challenged Dominic to a match at Money in the Bank, and Miz tried to sneak attack Cody from behind, but Cody dropped him, and then Dominic dropped Cody and left. Yeah, really a sneak attack by Dominic. I mean, in the regards to, it was just a sucker punch that he got him with because Miz served as that good distraction, which it should have been the other way around, but Dominic getting that punch, landing it. And then... Rhea accepted the challenge 
yeah. on behalf of Dominic. So there goes my Cody wins the money in the bank and cashes in at Madison Square Garden that Friday afterwards. It I don't understand how or why not. Hey. People are like, oh, it's going to happen at WrestleMania 40. It's going to happen at SummerSlam. It's Madison Square Garden. That's the story. Yeah, it's it's not happening at Madison Square Garden, though. But Cody Rhodes went on to defeat The Miz in a match that I felt was, I feel bad saying this, it felt like literally all like a lot of nothing. And Cody yeah. controlled most of this. Yeah, yeah. There was really not much that I had to see with this match. It really didn't do all that much for me. Yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't really care for it. Uh but after that we saw Becky Lynch come out and she said that she's done so many things but she's never won the money in the bank. And if she's the one who wins given that she's in the match, I would like to see her lose mm-hmm. it when she tries to cash in. We've never seen a woman unsuccessfully cash in before. So if they're going to go that route and give it to Becky Lynch, then I would like to see her not win the championship. I could agree with that. Or I wouldn't mind her looking at NXT. Nah. I I don't want to see a successful cash-in for SmackDown or Raw. But I don't want... I don't don't think we need another NXT cash-in. Yeah, that's true. I mean, well, I'm not another a one, of, but like um, the Royal Rumble had that. So yeah, but yeah, yeah. she brought up Trish Stratus and Zoe Stark. Zoe came out. Trish wasn't there. She was, uh, I believe, uh, doing a photo shoot for a cover of a magazine. Mm-hmm. But Zoe came out and said that she's not going to be able to beat Trish Stratus, and she's not going to be able to beat her. Then Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville interrupted, walked right by Zoe Stark to speak to Becky Lynch about why they did what uh, what 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 happened from last week. Mm-hmm. And Becky Lynch called for their match to start. Um, what about uh, Zoe Stark in this promo dropping the "I'll Make You Famous" line? You know, you know, I marked out for this, but it also made me sad. Because it brought up memories from my past, and I can't relive the past anymore. And, you know, it's something that I'm not willing to let go of yet. It's worse. It's really bad that the streak is broken. But, yeah, she did drop the uh, the famous line, which yeah. was uh, cool. But this ended up going into Becky Lynch picking up a victory over Chelsea Green. Um, what was your take on this matchup? I thought there was no way in hell Chelsea Green was winning this. But she lasted a lot longer than I expected. Yeah, she actually got a ton of offense in this, right? I mean, I was surprised with how much uh, Chelsea Green was getting into this. But I was excited, too, that to see Chelsea Green versus Becky Lynch, considering a year ago, two years ago, uh, Chelsea Green was working the indie market while Becky Lynch was working WrestleMania. So to see Chelsea Green actually competing against Becky Lynch, I thought that was awesome. Uh, after that, we saw the Judgment Day walking backstage and joking around, but Finn Balor was quiet. 
And Damien Priest said that if he wants to qualify for the Money in the Bank, he or not if he wants to, he wants to qualify for the Money in the Bank and he wants to do it alone. And then I feel like that adds to what happened last week between Finn Balor and Damien Priest. Yeah. But we go on to see Damien Priest pick up that victory over Matt Riddle to qualify for the Money in the Bank ladder match, which I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting either, but I'm very happy that Matt Riddle didn't qualify. I think that Damian Priest, Damian Priest, I'm a, I'm a big fan of more than Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle, I still like, but the fact that Damian Priest did um, qualify for the Money in the Bank briefcase matchup, I am happy about that. Plus, it, as we find out later, it does spur a little bit of um, a, a bit more into the storyline with Judgment Day. Yeah, I think they had a good match, but I feel like some of the spots were off. Yeah. But I like that attempted Razor's Edge off the middle rope, only to have it reversed, and then have Matt Riddle hit that top rope fisherman suplex. I thought that was awesome. Mm -hmm. And then when Matt Riddle went for that springboard move, Damian Priest caught him on the ropes and hit the Razor's Edge off of that to, I think, pick up the victory. And I thought that was really cool. So... But like I said, I thought for sure Matt Riddle was winning that. But it still yeah. feels like he's going to be like the next guy still for Imperium. For Gunter. Which we'll talk about in a moment, not to spoil anything. Yeah. But, uh, we saw Kaiser and Gunter come out, though. And Damian Priest went face-to-face with Gunter. And he goes, pick the bones. And then they beat down Matt Riddle. So it it's only it seems like that's going to be the next match. Yeah, I would agree with that. After that, Bronson Reed defeated Ricochet via disqualification. We saw Shinsuke Nakamura come out and watch the match, and Bronson Reed eventually launched Ricochet into Nakamura. And Nakamura got into the ring and started to beat Bronson Reed up. And Ricochet argued with Nakamura over that. And Bronson Reed temporarily took both of them out. And when he went for the tsunami, Ricochet stopped it. And then they both superplexed him. And Ricochet was just pissed off that that happened. And he wanted Adam Pearce to set up a rematch for next week. And Adam Pierce was like, well, I can't actually do that because Bronson Reed already has a match next week and it's with Nakamura. And he basically asked Nakamura what the hell and told him if it happens again, they might need to fight. So they're building some weird storyline going into Money in the Bank, especially with Bronson Reed as of right now, still not in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I think that the entire thing with I, I just want to see Bronson Reed continue. I just want to see him destroy the roster, pretty much. But I think he'll eventually get into that ladder match, and I really hope he does. Yeah, I agree. After that, Finn Balor came out and called Seth Rollins to the ring, and the crowd did not stop singing Seth Rollins' theme song for minutes. Yeah, you think that he's over? I thought that was pretty cool, but yeah. Finn Balor said that he's been waiting... Seven years to say something to Seth Rollins, but, I mean, literally couldn't because of the, the crowd. 
But he finally blamed Seth Rollins for his downfall, basically, mm-hmm. with his torn bicep and pec and losing the Universal Championship. And basically said that Seth Rollins took a year from his life. And at Money in the Bank, he's going to be taking the title from Seth Rollins. Yeah. Seth said he's been waiting to see this Balor for the past seven years. And and in the past seven years, he's made history because he's adapted and now he's the greatest version of himself. He accepted Finn Balor's challenge and questioned which version of Finn Balor will show up in London. So I think that's alluding to the demon. I Do you hope that the demon does show up? I don't know. I kind of feel like the demon will not show up, though. I don't think he's going to get the demon. We also saw later on backstage, Finn Balor was actually talking to JD McDonough. So maybe that could become that factor in that match at Money in the Bank. Mm. But Damian Priest walked up and congratulated him for getting that match with Seth Rollins, if I'm not mistaken. And Finn Balor asked Damian Priest, if you win, are you going to cash in on me? And Damien Priest said no and and told him to end it at, at Money in the Bank. Because I mean, Seth has been causing tension between the two of them. Yeah. So, and then Seth was interviewed later on and, and made fun of Damien Priest maybe leaving Finn Balor. And he issued an open challenge for next week. Yeah, it's, there's a lot to be seen with this and a lot that's going to be taking place. Next up, you had Shayna Baszler pick up the victory over Raquel Rodriguez. Um, once this this match again, it didn't do anything for me. Ronda Rousey got involved, and Raquel's attention went towards that, and Shayna rolled her up, and Ronda Rousey pushed her to to give more momentum to Shayna. Yeah, you know, I just didn't care about this. After that, Chad Gable picked up the victory over Eric, which uh, we saw a segment earlier in the night where Maxine was being trained, which I just think it was pure entertainment between the three of them, Otis included. Um, But this, it started out with Eric yelling at Chad Gable and Chad Gable responding with his, his catchphrase now, shoosh, which is getting over with the crowd. So much so that there were let's go Gable chants which I was, like, blown away that that was happening. Yeah. I mean, downside to this is I am i don't want to see Eric and Ivar right. in this position. I mean, this is the but same thing. But Valhalla, yeah, Valhalla charged at Maxine during this, and Maxine hit her with an arm drag, which she had just learned earlier in the night from Chad Gable. In a, a funny and- segment. Yeah, and Chad Gable was able to roll up Eric off of that with the distraction, so it's we don't want to see Viking Raiders losing, but I also don't want to see Alpha Academy losing. I do I draw I don't want to see I don't think I want to see the uh the Viking Raiders losing for more than them, the Alpha Academy. I, I just don't want to see... I could see them losing. I just don't want to see them in matches where they lose consistently. I mean, when was the last time they actually won a match? The Viking Raiders? Yeah. You know, it, it's... 
frustrating to a point. But I'm earlier, that's again that's something that we've said we've said for for quite some time now. Yeah. Where it's like we we hope and we hope and we hope and then it's like on SmackDown we saw them somewhat dominant. Mhm. And it was probably right before WrestleMania when that was like the last time they were actually dominant. Hmm. Because they went on to WrestleMania and they lost. And it sh- to me, it shouldn't have been the Street Profits to win that match. It should have been the Viking Raiders. I mean, in my opinion, after their stuff with the New Day, where they like demolished them in that uh, that no DQ match, they should have went on a tear. Well, they should I mean, have. They went... kind of did, though. But the, they like, still because no... they they did they still had they, they had victories over Hit Row, and also Braun Strowman and and Ricochet at one point. Yeah, but that buildup went nowhere. Deflated. Yeah, even even mm. when they faced off against McIntyre and Sheamus, I was like, uh, probably should have been Viking yeah. Raiders. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, so earlier in the night we saw Natalia interviewed by Byron Saxton. And Byron said that ever since she's lost uh, her match at, against Rhea Ripley at Night of Champions, she just hasn't been herself and asked her about it. And Natty was like, I, it, being myself hasn't gotten me anywhere. And she doesn't know how to be herself anymore. I don't know where this is going to. At all. Yeah. But it led into Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, which Imperium cut them off. And Sami made fun of Matt Riddle for taking out Vinci, which I thought was a funny segment in in itself because he was like, oh, where's Baldy? Where's Baldy? And then Adam Pearce showed up and Kevin goes, oh, there he is. So I thought that was funny. But Kaiser told Sami Zayn to put the titles on the line. Kevin Owens flipped out and agreed. And I thought it was also funny in that segment. He was like, I have to go change. I have I have to go put my gear on. I can't wear this t-shirt and this shorts. I have to wear a different t-shirt and shorts or whatever. I thought that was really funny. But later on, Sami Zayn questioned Kevin Owens about his blow-ups. And Kevin said it's just been building for months with everything that's been going on with the bloodline. And we go to the main event where Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn defeat Imperium to retain the tag team championships. Yeah. The crowd here, super split. Yeah, I was surprised that the crowd was so super split. I wasn't expecting that. But they were super into this match. Matt Riddle made his way out and got kicked by Gunter. Kevin Owens ended up hitting him with a DDT on the ramp. Took him out of the match, and Sami Zayn hit the blue thunder bomb on Kaiser to pick up the victory. Yeah, I thought it was a hot finish for Monday Night Raw next week. Logan Paul returns. Looking forward to that. And I can't, I can't even think of who he would be going. Like maybe he's getting into the Money in the Bank ladder match. Yo, put him in there. Like put the only other person there. that I could think of to to work. At, like at the pay-per-view with Logan Paul would be Drew McIntyre who hasn't been on TV in weeks. I would not want that. I would say 
It I just w- wouldn't make sense. Even, I'd, I'd but... rather see him versus Ricochet. Yeah, but Ricochet's already taken. He's in that match. Then I would put him in the match. I wouldn't put him with. So I wouldn't pair him with McIntyre though. Randy. We'll see what happens with that. Yeah, well, I, that's the only like big singles wrestler outside of. Yeah. Of that is that that's the only person I could think Toss of. Awesome briefcase. Move over to NXT. We have Mustafa Ali, Tyler Bate, and Wes Lee pick up the victory over Schism, which opened with a brawl. And the crowd was very into Mustafa Ali in this match. Hmm. I thought the match was enjoyable. I liked the the tags at the end of the match, leading to this the swinging power bomb by Joe Gacy. Yeah, the swinging power bomb was a really cool spot. And uh, not the they almost won, but a referee ran in to stop the count at the last second because Wesley wasn't legal. And yeah, the actual I, I, at first I was like I didn't understand why, but then it, I realized that he wasn't legal. But still, like, when have we have we ever seen something no. like that? I thought that was a bit goofy. It was the actual referee in the match didn't even see the 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 tag from Wesley and Tyler Bate, so I don't understand why a random referee would run in to stop it or why he was even there. Yeah, because it's like oh. He's not the legal competitor, but it's like, brother, he didn't see the tag. So to him, it is the legal competitor. Yeah, there was no He's reason the referee. To, to break it. That's like every single like referee heel spot ever where it's like, oh, no, 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 no. There's no tag. I didn't see a tag. There's no second referee running out being like, oh, no, no, there was a tag. No, there shouldn't be. But later on, Mustafa Ali pitched to be the special guest referee between Wesley and Tyler Bate. For the North American Championship, I believe that's happening next week. And if not next week, then in two weeks. They have Gold Rush going on for the next two weeks. I hate the name Gold Rush. Why? We had that before. I know, because every time I hear it, I think of uh, Let's Make a Deal. Oh. Uh, Because one of the games that they have on there is Gold Rush. So every time I think of John just saying, Gold Rush! Every time uh, they bring up Gold Rush on NXT now. So, but, yeah. Booker T making that big announcement. Yeah. But uh, Braun Breaker came out in a suit and spoke about Seth Rollins. And he called him out, but Ilya Dragunov showed up and he was restrained. So they didn't, like, wrestle each other at all, but... Seth Rollins appeared on the screen and said that it might be fun to go back to NXT and he accepted Braun's challenge to show up for their their championship match. I think that's actually taking place next week, which I'm surprised isn't taking place at Great American Bash. Yeah, I am hoping that there's going to be a... uh, I'm hoping that there's going to be an interference or something like that where it does push it to take place at the pay-per-view itself. I don't know. Yeah. But this is the first time something like this has happened where the world championship will be defended in NXT. Yeah. So I think that's I mean, cool. I think that that's incredible, no? Yeah. I mean, this is also something that me and you have been pitching for a long time with the more inclusion of NXT and crossover for matches and sending people from the top to the NXT. Um, so to see... Seth Rollins actually defending it down there. I think that's awesome. It's going to be great. Yeah. 
Uh, after that, they aired a video package for Dana Brooke. But, like, it's weird because in the video they call her a free agent. And then she said herself that she knows she was drafted to Monday Night Raw. So, th- I-, I just don't understand. Yeah, who who wrote that? <laughs> I don't, I really don't get it, but she's like basically ready to rock the NXT women's division. And she said, even though she's drafted to Monday Night Raw, she's willing to, to work all the shows, SmackDown, Level Up, NXT. It doesn't make sense for the WWE draft. Mustafa Ali and, and Baron Corbin make sense because they were actually free agents. Yeah. But I'm still like, I'm a fan of Dana Brooke doing this though. Yeah, so, so I agree with you. But Cora Jade cool. interrupted. Yeah, Cora interrupted, and she said that she got screwed out of being number one contender because of Dana Brooke. And it goes into the next match where Thea Hale picks up the victory over Cora Jade. And Dana Brooke made her way out during this match. Uh, I don't think the match in itself was entirely there. But we saw Cora Jade attack Dana Brooke at one point. She goes to use that kendo stick and the referee ripped it away from her. And Dana Brooke pushed Cora Jade into the the ring steps. And Thea basically off of that got Cora Jade back into the ring and tapped her out with the Kimura. I mean, it's amazing. You have referees stopping, preventing near falls. But you don't have a referee running out being like, hey, she just attacked that person. Go figure. There's like no consistencies within the weeks or whatever. But I think it was nice to have uh, Thea Hale win with the Kimura lock because it shows off what she's been learning from Drew Gulak and Charlie Dempsey. But she's going to be facing Tiffany Stratton in two weeks for the championship. Next week, they're having a pep rally for her. And Drew Gulak and Charlie Dempsey kind of seemed annoyed by that. But because she barely won the match, they said. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I get. Yeah. After that, we saw Nathan Fraser pick up the victory over Oro Mensa to win the NXT UK Heritage Cup from Noam Dar. Yeah, Dar. Who, Dar couldn't compete. Yeah, he came out on crutches and said that Oro's going to be the one to defend it for him. In the first round, Fraser got that pinfall right before the round ended. Then we saw Jakara and Lash get involved. Leading to Aura getting a tie in round two. And they got involved again in the third round. But randomly, Ulyssa Leone and Valentina Ferois ran down. Pulled them off the apron. Fraser hit that sick Phoenix splash and picks up the victory. I mean, where's the interference on that? I'm kind of disappointed. But, like, I don't know. I hope, I don't know. I'm disappointed that that Nathan Fraser won and he didn't actually beat Noam Dar. Uh So maybe Dar will end up getting it back somehow. But next week, Seth Rollins is on NXT, so I hope to see some sort of backstage segment with uh, Seth Rollins and Nathan Fraser. Yeah, I could see it kind I could see it going that route where he wasn't the one that actually defended it and something takes place with that. Yeah. But we'll have to see what takes place. Uh, after that, they had a video package for Lyra Valkyria. And JC Jane was annoyed at the, the package. And Lola Vice and Electra Lopez made fun of JC for being eliminated. 
And then Lopez basically just said that maybe her and, and Lola should stick together. So it seems like we'll be seeing them tag up. I... But it's kind of annoying because we have, we literally, we have Jakara and Lash Legend here. We have um, Yulisa Leone and Valentina Feroyce. And now we have the introduction of maybe Lola Vice and Electra Lopez as a tag team. Meanwhile, the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships are getting dissolved. Yeah. Getting unified with the, the Women's Tag Team Championships. Which doesn't make sense to me, still. Like, it, it made sense for, for the fact that there's no tag teams in NXT, but now you have all these tag teams popping up randomly. Yeah. It's... There was also a segment with Von Wagner where they spoke about him going to therapy and Dijak in passing was like, oh, why don't you rep a real winner to Robert Stone? And Stone asked um, Von Wagner if he brought up the picture yet and, and spoke about it with the therapist. And he's like, no, because she told me to discuss it with somebody I trust. And the person that he trusts, he's like, it's been you all along, basically. And so what happens with that segment, we'll see. When he finally opens up to Robert Stone, I'm sure they'll show that. Yeah, I'm sure. After that, Axiom and Scripps picked up a victory in a handicap match over Dabakato. I really hate this big time. I, really I get, get that you, I get that they want to show that them working together and stuff, but I don't like them going over Daba Kato at all. And I don't know why we're still calling him Scripps. It's Reggie. Yeah, which I think Booker T is like, man, it's Reggie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they were a successful team here. Against a giant, I didn't really get it. But they got jumped by Los Lotharios afterwards. Yeah, that's which a was, big thing Which was very unexpected. But they yeah. were also drafted to Monday Night Raw. They're not free agents either, so it sucks because it's like I'm happy they're being used, but they were drafted to Monday Night Raw. Yeah, you could have just had them as free agents. Unless maybe they're going to say that there was a trade that took place. Yes, that's what I need to have happen or something like... But can you trade somebody to free agency? Is there is that a thing? Can you declare once you're drafted? Can you be like, nah, I'm a free agent? Uh, no. Can they do that. <laughs> I don't think you could. So I don't even know. Yeah, it's like Dana Brooke and Los Lotharios have been traded to Gable Stevenson's free agency. Yeah. Uh, after that, we saw Stacks in a segment where he had like a one of those boards to figure out who attacked, um, not attacked, who turned, who ratted on Gals, I should say. Not who ratted on Gals, who ratted on Tony D'Angelo. And it was like a board that that Brazango would have had, but he settled it on on settled on it being Gals. Mm-hmm. And I wish that we got more storyline out of this, like a development from this story, because I'd like to know who he's going to be finding to team up with to take on Gallus. Uh, I feel like they didn't have to draw that out yeah. much. 
So yeah, no, that makes sense with not wanting it to that it shouldn't be drawn out to the point that it was. But maybe we'll find out next week. And uh, after that, we saw Idris Anofi pick up the victory over Malik Blade. Which, again, this happened because Hank and Tank. Yeah. Blade wanted to be closer to Anofi as a team. And, or no, did Malik Blade actually get the victory there? I think Malik ended up uh, reversing Idris Anofi's pin to get that victory. And uh, Briggs and Jensen were out there, and Ophi and Blade ended up hugging it out. And Booker T announced the three teams are going to be facing each other next week for Gold Rush, and announced that the winners the the week after will face Gallus for the tag team titles. All while Los Lotharios watched on as well. They watched the three teams all started beating each other up. Made no sense. They were just all friends. Just. Yeah. I didn't get it that, didn't make... but Los Lotharios yeah. also want the title, so... Yeah, but at least they're there. Yeah. After that, Damon Kemp berated the referee from his match last week for counting the three when his foot was on the rope, and Eddie Thorpe showed up, offered a rematch, any kind, no, uh, no set rules, I guess. I guess uh, Kemp gets to pick what kind of rules... Maybe it'll be a straight-up amateur wrestling match. I think that would be somewhat interesting, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But we saw Roxanne Perez pick up the victory over Tatum Paxley. They aired a Blair Davenport video beforehand about all the women that she's taken out. This match itself, I thought, was was really entertaining. Yeah, I I agree. Right off the bat, Roxanne Perez had that really cool pin. I thought it was nice. And then uh, Tatum Paxley had that double underhook, like rope hung suplex that was really dope. Yeah. It was a nice spot. Roxanne, yeah, she hit that uh, springboard Luthez. I thought, not Luthez, Thez Press. <laughs> I thought that was cool. And then the, the the only thing that was like really eh was the Pop Rocks at the end. It was kind of like, uh, kind of messy, which made me think Paxley was going to reverse it. But I, I thought... She aligned herself with Blair Davenport. Uh, I mean, I, I I thought because she uh, aligned herself with Blair Davenport that she would have gotten the victory here. Mm-hmm. But now I don't really even know if she aligned herself with Blair Davenport. Uh, so yeah, time will tell. But Roxanne called Blair Davenport out afterwards, and I'm sure that'll be taking place soon. Yeah. We saw Gigi Dolan backstage annoyed with Kiana James eliminating her last week and Fallon Henley walked by just to like agree with her and warn her about Kiana James. So that sets up stuff for the future. Main event saw Baron Corbin pick up the victory over Ilya Dragunov to become the number one contender. This match I was looking forward to. I thought it was happening last week, but... Yeah, it was. No, I mean, I I thought I, I think it's cool that Baron Corbin just to see him back in the NXT ring and everything facing off against Dragunov. But yeah, so I thought it was taking place last week, but Dragunov was still injured or injured because of what Braun Breaker did to him. So Corbin, I like that he was working on that injury from the the abdomen. Mm-hmm. But I would have liked to have seen this be more hard hitting. 
like Gunter versus Dragunov. But I was still a fan of this match. I thought it was dope. Braun Breaker ran in front of Ilya Dragunov's move. And Corbin was able to hit the end of days. Yeah, why did he do that? Why did he do what? Run in front of the move. To to attack Ilya Dragunov. That didn't make sense to me, though. Why? How not? They're feuding. Why he... Yeah, but he ran right into the move. It didn't make sense to me. Well, he he went to go attack Ilya Dragunov, and Dragunov hit him with the move. It looked like he cut him off. Because he went to go attack Ilya. Yeah, I guess. So, Corbin gets the victory there. I would like for him to get gear. It, I don't understand this gear at all. Mm-hmm. And then Braun Breaker and Ilya Dragunov brawled off to the back, and Carmelo Hayes jumped Baron Corbin to end the show. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to see Carmelo Hayes getting involved in this. And, yeah, we'll see what happens next week. So that's NXT moving over to SmackDown. It opened up with the Bloodline arriving to the arena and... Kayla Braxton tried to get an interview with them to see where Jay stands with the bloodline, and they all ignored her. Roman spoke to Paul Heyman later on and demanded that he goes to talk to Jay. And then Paul went and apologized to Jay about telling him the truth about everything that happened last week and tried to plant it in Jay's head that Jimmy cost him the U.S. championship and did the super kick on purpose. It was intentional because Jimmy doesn't miss. And then Jay said, well, I'm also sorry. Sorry that if I'm in the bloodline, you are still out. And when Paul went to go tell Roman all that, you could cut the tension with a knife and then Solo scared the hell out of Paul Heyman. So up until that point, I thought that was great, but I'll I'll speak more on that later on. After that, we saw Pretty Deadly win a gauntlet match to become number one contenders for the tag team championships. Um, they're going to be facing Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens the night before Money in the Bank. But the Street Profits and the Brawling Brutes opened the match. It was Sheamus and Rich Holland because Butch is in the Money in the Bank match. And I liked that they had all the tag teams ringside for this. I guess to probably cut down on entrance time. But I like that Sheamus at the end of uh, the, the segment with Dawkins and, and Montez Ford ended up hitting a bro kick on Angelo Dawkins. The OC were out next and I think they had some pretty good offense. But Carl Anderson, I guess, got a little bit overzealous. Tried to knock, uh, or I guess did knock Ridge off the apron. And Sheamus hit him uh, with a bro kick to, to for the OC to lose that match. The LWO went in next and really barely did anything before losing. And then I thought they did less. They did nothing in this match. Hit row enters and literally Top Dolly eats a bro kick. That's it. And then Pretty Deadly was the last team in. I liked the spot where Sheamus hit the, the double beats of Botterin on onto both 
Kit and Elton. But Sheamus didn't realize that Elton Prince was the legal competitor and lost because of that. And as far as this gauntlet match goes, I think we've seen much better gauntlet matches. But I liked how far the Brawling Brutes went in this. And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing Pretty Deadly versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. And Pretty Deadly, you come back from commercial break. I was surprised you hear the the music still playing. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens came out, uh, which it was cool to hear the fans singing Sami Zayn's theme song still after it stopped. But Sami congratulated them, then told them to get the hell out of the ring because they've been there five minutes too long. Pretty Deadly clapped back and said that when they win, they'll celebrate as long as they want. And then Sammy got Kevin Owens to blow up, basically, and they ran down to brawl, but Pretty Deadly ran off. After that, Zelina Vega defeated Io Sky. We saw Bailey get involved here, which initially distracted Zelina Vega, but it ended up costing Io the match. She didn't get the three count, and then when she she turned around, she saw that was Bailey holding up the referee. She yelled at Bailey. Zelina Vega hit that six one nine and won the match. And I wish this match was longer. Backstage, Bailey and Io were were arguing with each other, and Shotzi approached them, blaming Bailey for not being in the Money in the Bank match, and then challenged Bailey to put her spot on the line. And Io accepted on Bailey's behalf. So it seems like we're going to be seeing, come next week, Shotzi Blackheart in the Money in the Bank match. We saw Adam Pierce backstage get approached by Bianca Belair about her rematch. And Pierce said it's being talked about, but he just can't answer yet. And she said, right or wrong, she's going to do it her, her own way. Fast forward, you got the Grayson Waller effect with Charlotte as the guest. Bianca Belair interrupted because she's pissed off that Flair just gets to walk right in and get a title shot. And Flair brought up how she lost to to Rhea Ripley and she didn't get a title shot. So maybe they're both owed rematches or whatever. Bianca Belair is like, I stayed. I didn't go away for three months. I've been here. So she said, whoever wins... Asuka or or Charlotte, she's she's calling her shot. After that, Karrion Cross and Scarlett picked up the victory over the OC. AJ Styles and Mia Yim. We saw Mia and AJ doing some double team moves, like the, the DDT spot I thought was cool. Um, they did some kick spots too, which I thought was nice. But Scarlett ended up breaking up a pin after the Styles clash. And she tried to, I guess, enchant AJ. And AJ took off his glove. He goes, I'm married. He gets rocked with the, the cross jacket. And then carrying cross lets go. Hits him with that, that hammer. And then hits like a pump handle F5 move, which I thought was really cool. The match itself, eh, not so much. But I liked all the double team stuff and, and the finish I thought was really cool too. Backstage, Cameron Grimes was interviewed, pretty much got cut off right away by Baron Corbin, who attacked him, told him his luck has run out. So they continue that storyline, nothing really to mention there, but after that we saw Rey Mysterio come out and say that he's proud that he's reformed the LWO, 
And then he introduced Santos Escobar, spoke about the money in the bank, which I think it would be really cool if Santos won the money in the bank and then cashed in and became champion or whatever. But LA Knight interrupted and went to go shake Rey Mysterio's hand, but it was like a fake out, pushed Rey Mysterio down, went for Santos, and LA Knight escaped before getting hit with a 619. It leads into their match where Santos Escobar picks up the victory over LA Knight. And I feel like they did that segment with Rey Mysterio beforehand because LA Knight is just so over. And the fans were literally cheering for him during this match. But LA Knight ends up rolling up. Santos Escobar grabs the rope. And Santos kicked his hand off the rope. Got out, rolled him through, and and picked up the victory off of that. I, I like that ending. I like that. Santos Escobar was able to kick his arm off the rope and then win without cheating. I thought that was cool. But LA Knight attacked Santos Escobar immediately afterwards. People did boo, but I feel like they were still cheering also. But Rey Mysterio chased uh, LA Knight off. So that was the end of that segment. After that, we had the Bloodline closing SmackDown Right before Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa went to the ring, we saw backstage, it was Sami Zayn, and Jay saw him, they just looked at each other, Sami gave him a head nod, it was like a mutual thing, walked off, fast forward, Roman Reigns asked Jay if he's out, if he's in or out, and Jay's like, it's up to you, you tell me, it's either I'm in or Paul Heyman goes. Paul, by the way, has both the the WWE Championship and the Universal Championship still, which I like. But Roman Reigns said that when Jay is the tribal chief, he can pick his own wise man. Paul Heyman is his wise man. It's not the Bloodline's wise man. And he's like, you're going to main event. It's just not yet. And again, said that Jimmy was the problem. Jimmy showed up and blamed Roman Reigns. And Roman was like, it's because of me that you guys have everything. You guys main evented WrestleMania because of me. And then Roman was like, the only person who had a problem with you being the right-hand man was Jimmy. And that led to Jay to get super pissed off with Jimmy. They went back and forth. Jimmy, uh, Jay laid into Jimmy. Big time. And... Jay was like, you know what? You're out. And then also said, I'm out too. Super kick Roman Reigns. They both took Solo out and then super kicked Roman Reigns another time to knock him out. And SmackDown like that. That was fantastic. This storyline, I think, has been incredible. But that's SmackDown. I'm going to take a quick little break right now. And I'll be right back here on Marking Out. This is Amazing Kong, and you're listening to Marking Out. (laughs) Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out, episode 645. Uh, I'm here by myself. Unfortunately, Chris, well, unfortunately for me, Chris, very fortunately for him, he's in Disney World. (laughs) So I hope he's enjoying that. But I'm going to talk about AW. Rampage and Dynamite kick it off with Rampage from last week. We saw the Lucha Bros and Bandito team up and pick up the victory over the firm. 
And I'm glad that commentary made sense of this match uh, and, and spoke about how it was signed before Matt Hardy took control of Ethan Page's contract. And then Matt Hardy is allowing Ethan Page to do this match. We saw the Hardy Boys and Isaiah Cassidy come out and they made Ethan Page roll up his sleeves to reveal Jeff Hardy armbands. And off of that distraction, they lost, which I thought was a goofy ending, but a decent match. Afterwards, though, we saw QTV, which I think (laughs) this might be the best episode they've done because they're literally making fun of AEW. So they're clearly aware of the aspects of what is being made fun of in this segment. So maybe they're doing it to try to draw new viewers. I don't know. But off of off of that segment, we saw Powerhouse Hobbs pick up the victory over Caleb Crush. Hobbs pretty much disappeared for a month. He was scattered around in those QTV segments, but no matches. I don't know if he was injured or what, but... This was a quick squash match, nothing to really mention. After that, the acclaimed and Billy Gunn picked up the victory over Angelico, Luther, and Serpentico. Jim Ross mentioned that if maybe the acclaimed and Billy Gunn were a bit more serious, maybe they could be trios champions. But commentary didn't acknowledge it. It was like they completely skipped over what Jim Ross said. Uh, I don't know if much else needs to be said about this match. The acclaimed and Billy Gunn are just picking up victories. They're like meaningless victories. I don't think this builds them to a trios championship match against House of Black, especially against Angelico, Luther, and Serpentico. I don't think so. After that, a segment with Triple J, Mark Briscoe, and Aubrey Edwards aired. And the whole gist was AEW won't sanction a match between Aubrey and Karen Jarrett, but she still threatened to kick her ass. So an official is threatening a non-wrestler. But Mark drops that management did actually sanction a six-person tag match with Triple J and Karen Jarrett teaming up to take on Mark Briscoe. Aubrey Edwards and the Briscoe brothers' father. And Aubrey looked like she had been waiting her whole life for this moment. (laughs) Even though she had no idea that management sanctioned this match, she sold it as if she knew that this was going to be a thing and she already knew that's who their partner was going to be. Even though Mark seconds before said Aubrey... He literally forgot to tell Aubrey. But I hope fans enjoyed this match. It's taking place on Rampage. Uh, After that, Sky Blue picked up the victory over Britt Baker, Mercedes Martinez, and Nyla Rose to become the number one contender in the main event of Rampage, which I felt like was a lot of nothing to the point where it seemed like they choreographed a lot of the spots. I did like some of the parts, but a majority of this, including the ending, was just not there for me. You had Britt Baker and Mercedes Martinez fighting outside the ring, and Nyla was very slow getting up 
and and in such an unnatural position. And I feel like she wasn't low enough for Sky Blue to effectively hit that code red or code blue. But she did, and she won the match. We did learn this weekend that she willingly set another kid on fire in church. (laughs) Which is just absolutely insane to even admit that. That's beyond crazy. I definitely don't think I would have admitted that at all. And uh, maybe somewhere down the line, they'll incorporate that into her character. But right now, she's like the lovable underdog go-getter. So I don't think they'd be doing that anytime soon. But that was just... And she got excommunicated from the church for doing that. So (laughs) that's just absolutely insane. Um... But moving over to Dynamite, it opened up with Adam Cole taking on MJF in an Eliminator match, which ended in a time limit draw. I feel like maybe you would want Adam Cole and MJF to not touch at all before a title match, a title match outside of like a brawl or something. But MJF, uh, near the beginning of the match, goes into the crowd, flicks somebody's hat off. We're in a Hardy Boys t-shirt, one of the old uh, lime green and purple Hardy Boys shirts. I wish I had one of those. Uh, And he almost flicked the guy's glasses off. I feel like you got to be careful when you do stuff like that. But Adam Cole at one point in this match eats a heat seeker. And they kind of like pause the match. And MJF ended up rolling him out onto the timekeeper table and put him through a table. And also somehow got knocked out and I didn't really quite understand that. I know commentary was talking, but I could not hear commentary at all this week. It was one of those weeks that was just like low um, commentary, super loud crowd noise. But I think this was the worst that I've ever had it where I couldn't hear commentary. But the referee later on, They get bumped. And MJF attempted that Eddie Guerrero spot, which I always, well, not always, but most of the time get a kick out of. And the referee gets up, drops again, so he doesn't even see Adam Cole holding the title. So Adam Cole goes and uses the title. The match continues. MJF kept passing out during this. And I didn't get that part either. Because he passed out when he did that elbow drop to the table. I still don't know. Like I just said, don't know why he passed out. So why was MJF passing out during this match in other places as well? But he gets up. He low blows Adam Cole. Attempts to use the dynamite diamond ring. And the referee somehow sees it. Stops him. And leads to that leads to Adam Cole hitting a super kick. And that last shot and and picks up the victory off of that. Or almost picks up the victory off of that. Right before the ref can count the three, the bell rings. Time limit draw. It was 8.34, so I don't really know how much of the match, when the match started and how much of it actually was a 30-minute time limit draw. But Adam Cole asked for five more minutes. MJF ended up leaving. I found some of this match to be slow and a bit boring. 
But the fans were super loud for the whole match. I just think it was like too many weird spots for me to say like, oh my God, this was awesome. And then later on, we see a video package of Tanahashi challenging MJF for Forbidden Door. And MJF was later on interviewed about it. And he goes, nope. Which is like the most MJF way to do it. But then they confirmed that to be a match. So I just don't understand how that became a match. But it's official. MJF is taking on Tanahashi for the AEW Championship. After that, they aired a promo for CM Punk. I guess he's going to have a live microphone at 8 p.m. for Collision, which I really don't care about. Um, everyone's like, oh my God, he said Sting's line. Which I I really didn't pick up on. Nothing is certain, I guess, is the Sting line, but I I don't know if that's going to end up turning into CM Punk versus Sting. Uh, After that, though, we saw Sammy Guevara interviewed in the ring by Renee, and the fans were booing him here. He spoke about having a child before that, which got some cheers, and then I think fans were just ultimately booing him again. Darby interrupted, and it was like, oh, it sounds like people are starting to love you again. And... Maybe it's just me. Maybe, like, I could not hear commentary, so maybe there was, like, a different sort of, like, portion that I couldn't really hear. There were some cheers, but it just, to me, sounded like booing. So I don't know, but Darby brought up being held back by the JAS. And then Chris Jericho came out, and he went back and forth with both of them. And Jericho wanted an apology from Sammy Guevara for what he said. Sammy wasn't having it. And he went face-to-face with Jericho. And Jericho's like, well, maybe we should have a tag team match to remind you, like, I'm your boss. And then he threatened to beat Darby up. And then Sting showed up. They played with each other's baseball bats. I'm shocked that this actually led to Sting and Darby's match. But thank God it did. And then we go to the actual match. Sting, Darby Allen, Keith Lee who's now, again, random as hell, but Dustin Rhodes, written back into the the story, just came out to manage Keith Lee. And Orange Cassidy picked up the victory over the Mogul Embassy. This match, also, Brian Cage was randomly dressed up like his version of Surfer's Thing, which was weird. But the ref almost immediately lost control of the match at the start regains it during the commercial break, but very quickly again, chaos, boom, breaks out, lost it again. I didn't like this match. I don't like when when matches get too chaotic like that. So I wasn't a fan, but Orange Cassidy was interviewed later on and Zack Sabre Jr. challenged him to a match at Forbidden Door. Daniel Garcia stepped in as well because he wants... The title, but he also wants Shibata. He wants his title back, I guess. Which sets up a tag team match for next week's episode with Orange Cassidy and Shibata taking on Zack Sabre Jr. and Daniel Garcia. After that, we saw the Guns interviewed where Renee asked what their relationship is with Jay White. And they just played dumb with that part, which I like. And then they challenged the Hardy Boys to show who the real the best brother tag team in AEW is. Are the Lucha Bros not tag team brothers? 
Drillistico and Roosh. Maybe we'll uh, see a fatal four-way brothers match or something like that. But the Guns are facing the Hardy Boys. I think that's cool for the Guns. And I think that's pretty cool for the Hardy Boys. I know, obviously, the Hardy Boys have worked with their father probably a lot. So I think that's cool. Um, On Rampage, though, I skipped over just to add this to, to Dynamite. Wardlow was interviewed by Renee and... It was more of an Arn Anderson interview. And he was just updating everybody on Brock and said that Christian and Luchasaurus made a mistake and they should have finished it. And then they brought up, he brought up Wardlow having an open challenge. And Wardlow spoke and just announced that it's him versus Jake Hager on Dynamite. We fast forward to Dynamite. Wardlow picks up the victory over Jake Hager to retain the championship. And we saw Jake Hager attack Wardlow during the entrance. They spoke about this being a rubber match. And I'm like, when the hell did these two fight? You rewind more than two years ago is when the the two other matches were. But Brock and Arn Anderson showed up. To take out the the Jericho Appreciation... Well, Arm was already there. Jericho Appreciation Society showed up. Matt Menard and, and uh, Angelo. Brock Anderson showed up to, to help Arn take them out. Christian showed up on the screen afterwards. Could barely hear him. All I'm hearing is that crowd noise. But I did hear him say that Luchasaurus accepts Wardlow's open challenge for Collision... And then they panned down to Arn Anderson, who was all bloodied and, and knocked out. And I legitimately thought Arn was still ringside with Wardlow. But I guess when they fought the Jericho Appreciation Society, they fought them to the back. And I just didn't realize it. But that match gets set up for AEW Collision, which I'm sure we're going to talk about next week. We saw Tony Storm pick up the victory over Sky Blue to retain the championship. We saw Tony spray Sky Blue's mom, who was sitting ringside. Ruby Soho distracted the referee. And when Tony went to do that to Sky, Sky had her own spray paint, sprayed it in Tony. And she hits the code blue. Ruby again distracts the referee. You, you had to know the obvious outcome was Sky Blue losing. But she could have won had Ruby not been there. The outcast continued the attack afterwards. Willow made the save and that gets set up for a collision match. Earlier on, we saw Sonata issue an open challenge for Forbidden Door. And Jungle Hook interviewed by Renee. Jungle Boy accepts that challenge. He'll be facing Sonata. At Forbidden Door 2, and Hook is going to be in his corner. Main event saw the Elite pick up the victory over the Blackpool Combat Club with Brian Danielson on commentary. Opened with a brawl, like the eight-man tag kind of did. Again, like the eight-man tag match, it lost control. The referee was just chaotic. Given how brutal the past few Blackpool Combat Club matches have been. I was surprised with this match. The outcome was expected, but 
there not being as much brutality as I thought was going to be was unexpected. Although the Blackpool Combat Club continued the attack afterwards, I don't want to say this was like WCW, but you had Eddie Kingston run out to make that save. Last I remember, he quit AEW, I guess to work Ring of Honor, but he ended up arguing with the Young Bucks because they were attacking John Moxley. He stopped Matt from attacking Mox, and then Mox got in his face. So I... I don't really get Mox getting in his face because he saved Mox from Matt. But Takeshita then shows up. He attacks Eddie Kingston. Um, or also Eddie Kingston was just there to, to go after Claudio. But Kenny shows up at the end, squares up with Takeshita. And then Will Ospreay shows up, attacks Kenny Omega. And I kind of expected that to happen because Kenny kept looking before he hit the move he went to hit on Takeshita. But that was a very, very WCW ending. But it really, it just pushes the the matches for Forbidden Door. But like last year, it's just all rushed. The pay-per-view is literally next week. So I thought maybe they would have give more time to set up the matches. I know they had the press conferences and everything. They had Dominion that helped set up stuff. But over on TV here, like I said the other week, they didn't really do much, especially not after Double or Nothing. And I think last year when they didn't do it after Double or Nothing, it was like, I think Double or Nothing last year was like a big roadblock in setting stuff up and and I feel like maybe here is the same thing but when AEW announces stuff or typically announces stuff it seems like they do it the the week before or the week of even take collision for example we found out I think the whole card for collision on dynamite so I wish they would give things more time I wish they would give stuff more build But that's AEW. Hey, Brandon. Got any shout-outs? Hey there, pal. It's me, Mickey Mouse, and you're listening to Brandon's Shout-Outs. Based on a true story gets the first shout-out. I first saw a trailer for this on TikTok, and I literally thought it was a trailer for a new season of The Flight Attendant because Kaylee Cuoco was in it. But the show stars her, Chris Messina, Tom Bateman... And it's pretty wild. Have you seen anything about this show? No. She's a realtor who's like obsessed with, I guess, true crime podcasts. Okay. So people were like heavily calling this uh, flight attendant and only murders in the building. Okay. But she then finds herself with a serial killer. And with her husband, they decide to make a podcast about it. And I thought... It was a real thing, like based on a true story, uh-huh. <laughs> but it's it's not. That's it's funny. just it's just a show on Peacock. I would say check it out. I thought it was really good. I hope they do a second season. It ends with uh, a major cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. It was the husband yeah. the entire time. Uh, no, definitely not. But uh, also, my next shout out. I don't know how 
true the story actually is, but I watched the movie Flamin' Hot, which, have you seen anything about this? Is it about the uh, Cheetos? Yeah, it's the origin story of Flamin' Hot uh, Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Uh-huh. And when they first dropped the trailer, I legitimately thought it was like a joke. But it's out on Hulu and Disney Plus at the same time. I actually really enjoyed the movie. Huh. Eva Longoria directed it. And if you like biopics, I would say check it out. All right. That's so random to have a biopic on. Yeah, I'd say so. But uh, the last shout out goes to Never Have I Ever because the fourth and final season is out on Netflix right now. And I know that I'm not the targeted demographic for this, but I enjoyed the show. Mm-hmm. I think John McEnroe being the narrator was a fun aspect of it. And I liked the the breaking of the fourth wall. But it's, I guess, loosely based on Mindy Kaling's childhood as she's the co-creator of the show. But something tells me it's like how she wishes her childhood went, kind of. I was going to watch that. Yeah, I've seen, yeah, I've been watching it cuz the show first aired on Netflix like a month into the pandemic. So that was just one of the shows that I binged and yeah. watched every season of. So, I would recommend that too. It's on Netflix if you still have it, if you have access to your friend's password still. I don't I don't <laughs> know if you will. Check it out if you can. Yeah. So, those are my shout-outs. Now it's time for our Markout Moment of the Week. That is right, our Markout Moment of the Week. What do you got? My Markout Moment of the Week. Um, Let's see. I guess it would probably be, even though I think you mentioned you mentioned it already, but Weird Al with uh, Hulk Hogan. I marked for that. Um, but yeah, how about you? Well, we got a follow on TikTok this week from Adam Wiley, which he's literally been in so many projects like Kindergarten Cop, uh, Santa with Muscles. He was the voice of Curly in Hey Arnold. And also uh, the Disney Channel movie Under Wraps he was in there. But I've seen him do lives on TikTok before, but I decided to watch. I was just scrolling TikTok after Monday Night Raw. And he was playing trivia, but in the middle of playing trivia, he was also doing card tricks because he does magic as well. And he asked for a number, which I gave him the number 16. (laughs) And he literally threw cards to get to the one that he was like looking for and he threw 16 cards which i thought was crazy that was like a cool magic trick that he did but then he he was doing trivia again and i got two questions right so he followed so i thought that was also pretty cool oh that's pretty cool uh something else wrestling related the new downloadable content is out for ww2k23 and it features the first ever harley race character first ever yeah, he's been in, like, mobile games for WWE, but as far as, like, console games, this is the first and only game that he's been in. Why? He That's was, so he was in Legends of Wrestling, 
which was like 20 plus years ago, but that wasn't WWE. But why? That seems so like weird because like they have, have no mentioned him so predominantly. Yeah, I don't know why Harley Race never made it into a video game, but I kind of wish that it wasn't King Harley Race and it was like his brown hair with the handlebar mustache, but I'll I'll take any version of Harley Race. I think it's cool that we're finally getting to play as him. Yeah. Um Ivy Nile, Trick Williams, Wendy Chu and Tony D'Angelo are also in that pack. And something else that's really cool, Tony D'Angelo comes with a first ever move. He has his Northern Light Suplex and Fisherman's uh, Neckbreaker combo, but for the first time ever, you can choose to activate the Fisherman Neckbreaker. You don't have to actually do the combo. You could just do the, the, the Northern Light Suplex. Oh, I gotcha. That's pretty cool. So uh, it seems like that's going to be something that they'll put in the the next year's game since they were able to figure this out. So I thought that was pretty cool. But that's really all the stuff I marked out for this week. Nice, nice. Well, thank you so much for listening. This was episode 645. Make sure you check us out, marknout.com. And wherever else you're following us on social media, buy a t-shirt, Pro Wrestling Tees. But we wish you... Uh, what do you mean? No, no, no. Hell no. TikTok. Go for it. Facebook.com slash MarkingOut. YouTube.com slash MarkingOut11, which is the same as Instagram. BTTG161 on both. DavidPTDPT on both. At ChrisSweenDog on Twitter. At CMSweeney85 on Instagram. ProWrestlingTees.com slash MarkingOut. Marketout.com, like you already said, there's Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and more. And we wish we you, wish you the, the best of luck in, in your, your future endeavors. Have a fantastic week. <laughs>